All right. So yeah, just what everyone wants to talk about after the holidays, right? Fasting. Like, oh, you know how I've been eating lately, huh? Yeah, because I've been doing it too. Yeah, so obviously uh, Doug uh, mentioned uh, why we're going this direction, start off the new year, um, seeking God, looking for, for him to really lead us and, and give us our vision for this coming year. Um, just to start off with, I, I thought it'd be interesting to look at just some quotes from the history of the church on fasting. Uh, so I got some from the 300s, 1500s, 1800s. Uh, and I don't, I don't endorse every word of every quote, but it's interesting to, to hear what they say. And there's a lot of good nuggets in there. But in case you're wondering, like, oh, I don't know if I agreed with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with every one of these wholeheartedly. But for the most part, they're good and interesting. Uh, the Archbishop of Jerusalem, Cyril, in the 300s, said, Be not then henceforth a viper, but as you have been formerly a viper's brood, put off, he says, the sloth of your former life. For every serpent creeps into a hole and casts its old sloth, and having rubbed off the old skin, grows young again in body. In like manner, enter also through the straight and narrow gate, rub off your former self by fasting, and drive out that which is destroying you. And then Martin Luther, 1500s, of fasting I say this, it is right to fast frequently in order to subdue and control the body. For when the stomach is full, the body does not serve for preaching, for praying, for studying, or for doing anything else that is good. That's kind of how Martin Luther always talked. He always said things in a kind of hyperbole type way. Can't do anything when you're fasting. When you're not fasting, basically. <laughs> of course, that's not quite what he meant, but that's how he said things. John Wesley makes a strong statement, and he's coming from Matthew 6, where, you know, Jesus is talking about when you, when you pray, when you give to the poor, when you fast, he just kind of says them all in the same way. So John Wesley took that up and said, the man who never fasts is no more in the way to heaven than the man who never prays. Andrew Murray says, prayer needs fasting for its full growth. Prayer is the one hand with which we grasp the invisible. Fasting is the other hand, the one with which we let go of the visible. I think that one's my favorite. Like, you can see that, like you're praying, you're connecting with God, and then with fasting, you're saying no to earthly things. I just love that picture. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when the flesh is satisfied, it is hard to pray with cheerfulness or to devote oneself to a life of service which calls for self-renunciation. So that's just a little sampling. A little sampling. So just to kind of to, to start off with, what do we mean about fasting? Just be clear on the definition. Of course, Doug already started with one definition for Arthur Wallace, which was great. Um, so talking about fasting, we're, we're, we're specifically talking about fasting from food. Now, there, you know, a lot of times we say, like, oh, I'm going to fast from social media or from sugar or whatever, and, and that's all good. Like, I'm all for that stuff, caffeine, like, whatever. Like, Paul said, everything's lawful for me, but, but I will not be mastered by anything. So, so anytime something's mastering you that, that shouldn't be, something's controlling your life, you, you need something, it's good to go without it. So I'm not downplaying any of those things. But we're looking at fasting from food, kind of the, the normal way the Bible talks about fasting this morning. But again, not to down, downplay any of those other things. It's just not our focus right now. Uh, Ronnie Floyd, who's, I think he was like a Southern Baptist Convention president for a while, he, he really kind of got a heart for fasting. 
At the end of his life, he, he did a number of 40-day fasts. I liked his definition. He said, fasting is abstinence from food with a spiritual goal in mind. Really simple. Abstinence from food with a spiritual goal in mind. And he goes on and says, it is when I pursue the God of heaven to do something powerful and supernatural in and through my life. And I don't think necessarily it has to be in and through your life. Like you could fast for something maybe that's going on like in the Middle East. Like that's great too. But you're asking God to come and do something powerful, something supernatural, something that you can't do. And you're saying, I'm weak, I can't do it, but you can do it. Fasting is coming to a place of weakness and, and asking God to move. But simple definition, uh, abstaining from food for a spiritual goal or purpose. Uh, so we're not talking about fasting for your health, even though that, that can be another good thing. But we have a spiritual goal, a, a spiritual vision in mind when we fast. So we're going to look at our main passage this morning. It's going to be Matthew 9. I think it's one of the most helpful uh, New Testament passages on fasting. Um, so I'm going to read it, we'll pray, and we'll get into it here. Then John's disciples came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one patches an old garment with unshrunk cloth because the patch pulls away from the garment and makes it tear worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the skins burst. The wine spills out and the skins are ruined. No, they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. Let's ask God's help with his word here. So Father, we, we just thank you for your word, we thank you for your presence, and we are asking, Lord, that you make our hearts good soil for your word, we're asking that your word would come into us and bear the fruit that you want to see for your glory. Strengthen us for praying, for fasting, for seeking you in a way that honors you and help us to avoid the ways that don't honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Matthew 9, a uh, couple notes from it. Uh, not, uh, oh, a few months back, I, I preached on the, the parable of the virgins um, but it's interesting there because Jesus, in that parable, kind of referred to himself as the bridegroom. And here we see again Jesus calling himself or likening himself to a bridegroom. And just to note again that, that to any Jewish hearer, that's a claim to be the God of their Bible, the God of the Old Testament. He was the bridegroom of Israel. He was the husband of Israel. It's said about him as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. In Isaiah, and, and there's many other passages. God talks about betrothing Israel to himself. All that to say, to any, any person of the original, original audience, they were hearing Jesus claiming something great here. Another interesting thing I find here is that, okay, so it's John the Baptist's followers who are coming to Jesus, right? And so the Pharisees had just kind of questioned Jesus about some stuff. Uh, Jesus is, is feasting with sinners and tax collectors. So the Pharisees are like, why are you doing this? And now John's disciples come and they're like, why aren't you fasting? We fast, the Pharisees fast. How come you're not? And I just think it's so interesting how Jesus responds here because if you remember John chapter 3 where John's followers go to John the Baptist and they're like, okay, now Jesus is baptizing and everyone's going to him. Well, what's going to happen to your ministry, John? And you remember how he responds? He says, the one who has the bride is the groom. 
And the friend of the groom, he rejoices when he, when he hears the groom. When, when, the, when the groom's here, he rejoices. When he hears his voice, his joy is complete. Right? And so that's what John, he's saying. My joy is complete. Now he's here. He must become everything. I must become nothing. Don't worry about my ministry. But it's just interesting because then Jesus, in talking to John's followers here, picks up that same kind of language, right? He's talking about the, the groom being here and, and joy because he's here. It's like, don't, do you remember John kind of talked this way too? I don't know what the connection is there, but I just thought it was really interesting. Uh, so kind of three things I wanted to pull out from this, from this passage here. One is, if you look at 9.15, Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? So right from the front, you, you get the, they asked about fasting. He said, can they be sad? So clearly, fasting has to do with sadness, sorrow, mourning. There's, there's this kind of overall sense that with fasting, something's wrong, something's missing. There's a reason for sadness. There's a reason for it, something's not right. Okay, then that's all throughout the Bible, right? I mean, all the fasts you see, something's not right. Like an enemy is coming to destroy Israel. Let's fast. Or someone just died. Or I'm repenting of sin. Or God's judgment's coming. Sound the alarm. Call a fast. I mean, all throughout the Bible, you, there's this sense of, of something's missing, something's wrong. I'm asking God to put things right. And so that continues on into the New Testament, that fasting is an, ex is an expression of sadness or sorrow. Something's missing. But then we, there's continuity throughout, throughout the Bible when it talks about fasting. But then, again, there seems to be something a little different. And I think that's what Jesus was doing when he talked about the, the cloth and the wineskin. And he's saying, the ways you've been doing this and the way it's being practicing now, it's got to change a little bit. Because the groom's here. Right? But it's kind of an interesting season. So it's different now that Jesus has come. There's, there's a continuity. Something's, something's missing. There's a reason for mourning or sadness. Yet there's something a little different too. And I think that just points to the fact that we're, we're in that in-between time, right? We're in that time in between. He came. We've tasted and seen the Savior. There's, we've experienced, we've seen what he did on the cross. We've experienced God in the flesh. We know what God's like. He came to us. And yet, he's not here. He's not here. This, this is this in-between time where there's, this, there's both this expression of something's not quite right now and there's joy. He came. And we're in that in-between time. And the third thing I just want to draw attention to from the passage is what he says again in 15, the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. And I just think, the way he says this, then they, then they will fast. Like he's not like prescribing, like they'll fast on this day or do it. It's like, it sounds like it's a desire, right? Like it's not, it's not a routine. When, when I'm gone, my people are going to want to fast because I'm not there. And they want me there. Do we miss him? Do we want him to come and make things right? Do we, 
Do we miss the, the righteousness and justice that God originally designed for the world that's not here? Then in those days they will fast. It's going to come from in here. My Savior's gone. I want him back. So why fasting? What, is, what does fasting do? Take a moment here to kind of, if you, if you haven't ever like studied fasting or read anything on fasting, I'd, I'd highly recommend uh, John Piper's Hunger for God. It, it influenced me so much. I read it a number of years ago. I went back to it this, this past couple of weeks and I was completely wrecked and I looked at what page I was on. I realized I was just in the preface and I was completely wrecked like three different times. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can keep reading this. It's so good. Just so much, uh, combining the experience of fasting with, with understanding it from the Bible. There's a lot of good books on fasting. I mean, a lot of books on the spiritual disciplines give, a lot of, give helpful things on fasting, whether it's like Dallas Willard or Richard Foster or um, you know, Mike Bickle's book on prayer includes part on fasting. Uh, you know, not everything in those books is, is perfect, of course, but there's a lot of good resources. That's one I recommend, though, Piper's Hunger for God. Uh, anyway, why? Why fasting? Like, what does it do? Like, why, why, why does, is this a good way to express our, our desire for, for the Lord to return or desire for justice? So I, I think there's a, a, a lot of good reasons. It, I, fasting does a lot of things. It, it's pretty amazing when you, when you consider it. Um, but one is, you know, we're fasting from food. Food's not a bad thing, is it? Right? I mean, food's great. Like, praise the Lord. He wants us to enjoy food. And often our greatest spiritual enemies are good things. And I think that's part of what fasting's all about. Like, a lot of times we think about avoiding sin or wicked things, right? There's, there's things that we obviously need to say no to. But so much of the time, the, the enemy of Doing God's will, walking out God's vision are good things, like food. Philippians 3 talks about the enemies of the gospel and says their God is their belly. Right? It's not like some wicked thing. It's just that they're doing everything to satisfy those, those earthly appetites, right? That's what drives them. It's not necessarily pursuing something wicked. It's just it's making... God's gift, God. Psalm 17 talks about the wicked in this, the wicked in this age, and talks about, it says the wicked are those whose portion is in this life. The portion in, in this life, that's the wicked. So you don't have to pursue gross, wicked things to be worshiping idols, to be pursuing wickedness. When, when you've completely supplanted God with his gifts. We're, we're in trouble. And so fasting is a way of saying, I don't want God's gift to be God. I like what John Piper says. He says, the discipline of self-denial is fraught with dangers. Like, yeah, there, there are things to watch out for when fasting. And some people have had bad experiences with fasting. It's felt legalistic. They're like, oh, I don't want to do it. It just felt wrong. And there are dangers. There's wrong ways to do it. The discipline of self-denial is fraught with dangers, perhaps only surpassed by the dangers of self-indulgence. 
So let's not just say, I don't want to be religious and not worry about living for the flesh. They're both dangerous. So we need God's Spirit to come help us how to do it the right way. Because you're not, you're not avoiding all the dangers if you're just saying, I'm not going to fast because I don't want to be legalistic. We're, and this is, this is multiplied greatly by the fact that we're in America, I feel like. Right? Because so often, so often, we're full, we're satisfied, things seem right. Like we talked about fasting, there was a sense of mourning, there's a sense of something's wrong. Things aren't right in the world, but so often in, in our lives, things seem really right, don't they? I mean, we get to go home to a nice house, we get to have good meals. Like, you, a lot of times it feels like things are right. And I'm not saying that's bad. Like, praise the Lord for the blessings he's given us, and, and I'm sure people are going through tough times, and this year has even maybe shown us things aren't quite right in a lot of ways. Um, but a lot of times, it's easy to feel like, yeah, things are, things are pretty much right in, in the culture we live in. And often, being full and having everything feel right, just, it kind of kills that spiritual appetite. Right? Everything feels okay. I don't feel like there's a sense of longing right now. And again, just God, God's a God of feasts. I mean, he's, he's totally pleased when we're enjoying our family at, at holidays and having a good meal and sitting back satisfied. God loves that. He invented that. I mean, there's going to be a feast when we meet him in the age to come. I mean, that, that's... God made that. It's not like some other thing that God allowed into the world. But if that's how we're, that, if that's the state we're constantly in, there's, there's, it's going to be hard to have that longing, that desire, that, that things would be made right that aren't right right now. One of the, one of the main things that, that Jesus said comes and, and chokes the power of his word and the doing of his will is, is the desire for other things. He talks about the desire for other things comes in and chokes the word. So how do, we, how do we fight that? How do we fight that desire for other things? And a lot, again, a lot of things he talked about were good things. Marriage, food, job. I mean, they're not bad things. But how do we battle that when the desires for other things come in and choke the word? As I said, Piper's book's called The Hunger for God. That's kind of the idea is that how to, how to battle this desire for other things, we need a greater hunger for God than our hunger for those other, other things. And so fasting is a way of... of giving us the physical sense of what we need spiritually, right? I mean, we're just, we're whole beings. We're, we're physical, we're spiritual. That's why we do baptism. That's why we do the Lord's Supper. We need physical things to remind us of spiritual realities. Fasting the same way. It's, it's a physical thing to, that we hope translates to a spiritual reality of hunger. Uh, another thing that fasting does, or, or a great benefit of fasting is it helps discipline our bodies, right? Paul talks about disciplining his body in 1 Corinthians 9 in his ministry, and he says, I discipline my body. I make it my slave so that after I preach the gospel to others, I myself won't be disqualified. I don't want to be a hypocrite and preach to others and give in to self-indulgence and have everyone discredit my ministry. I don't want to preach Jesus and then fall away from him because I'm too in love with the world. So how do I do that? I discipline my body. I make it my slave. I make it so that my body's not telling me what to do. I'm telling my body what to do. And that's what fasting does in a way. In a little way, it says, I'm not just going to listen to you, body. I'm going to tell you. 
And if we can do that with food, then we'll be strengthened by God's grace. If we're doing it in his grace, we'll be strengthened to do it with other things too, right? My body wants me to give in to sexual immorality, but I'm not going to listen to my body. I'm going to tell my body what to do. It's, it's going to strengthen us so that things get ordered rightly. That the right part of us is in charge. Uh, another thing about fasting I just thought about was the Beatitudes, where Jesus talks about those who are fit for his kingdom. And, and I was thinking the first four Beatitudes are all about longing, emptiness, desire, needing, needing to be filled. The first four Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And they're, they're all... Like, there's an emptiness, there's a longing, there's a desire, there's a hunger for those first four Beatitudes, right? And fasting is, is a way to express that. It's a way of coming into that place of, yeah, I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to acknowledge that I'm nothing without God. I want to come to a place of weakness to acknowledge his strength. Another thing I thought was, was interesting that I hadn't really thought about before was this comes right after the Lord's Prayer uh, in Matthew 6. Well, not this part, but when Matthew talks about fasting, when Jesus talks about fasting in Matthew 6, when he says, when you fast, it came right after the Lord's Prayer. Just as, a, as an idea of what are we longing for, what are we hungering for when we're fasting? That his name would be hallowed, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done. That's what we're hungering for. That's what we're expressing. We want to express that there's a better food. We want to express there's a better food. And all through the Bible, we, we see Jesus doing this. And you mentioned John 4 uh, this morning, which I, was, I thought that was awesome because I wanted to touch on that. I love how Jesus does this. You know, he's talking with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and, and he had told him that I'll give you living water. I'll give you that water of eternal life. And you know, she's blown away and she goes and tells everyone and his disciples come and they, they had gone a long time without food. His disciples went to get food. Jesus was just hanging out while they got food. And so they're like, we got the food. Aren't you going to eat, Jesus? He's like, I'm not really hungry. <laughs> Why? I just love how Jesus does this. And it's like he really wasn't hungry after he did this, right? Aren't you hungry? Aren't you going to eat? I, I have food to eat that you don't know about. He was just satisfied, right? Like, I, I just ate. I told the woman about living water, and I'm good. There's, there's better food. Jesus said, to do the, my food is to do the Father's will. That satisfied him. Or Jesus himself, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. There's better food. Matthew 4, don't don't live on bread alone, but everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's better food, and, that's, and that's, that's just what we're expressing. There's a better food, and I don't always feel it, but I want to feel it, so I'm going to withhold food for myself so I experience this better food as what it really is, better. Another thing fasting does, we're becoming weak to acknowledge God can do way more in a moment than we can do in a day or a week or however long. We're, we're becoming weak. Because if we just, okay, how can I make myself as strong as possible to accomplish as much as possible? You probably wouldn't fast. 
But we're acknowledging that, that that's not what's going to accomplish the most. God can do more in a moment. And so we're looking for him to move. So we talked about some of the, the good parts of fasting. I just want to quickly go over some of the, the ways not to fast. We talked, there's some pit, pitfalls with fasting. How, how not to fast? One, in order to be seen, from Matthew 6. Don't fast in order to be seen. Now, obviously we're looking to go into a, a season of fasting together. So it's not, like, it's not like it's wrong if someone knows you're fasting, right? Well, I, used to, I had a roommate in college, and we, we were kind of coming to know the Lord together and getting introduced to fasting together. And we used to kind of have this thing where, like, if we found out the other one was fasting, we said we got, like, their reward for fasting. So we'd be like, you know, we'd be making food and, hey, you want any other food? No? Why not? You know, try to catch each other fasting. Um, all that said, it's not wrong for people to know you're fasting. It's, it's all about the motivation. Why are you fasting? Are you doing it so people think, oh, what a spiritual person? Is that your motivation? If that's, if that's your motivation, then Jesus says that will be your reward. They'll know you're, they'll know you're fasting. They'll think highly of you, and that's it. If that's what you want for your reward, go ahead. That, that, that'll be it. So not in order to be seen, not as like a, like a sacrament, like by the mere fact of me doing this thing of withholding food for myself, God is obliged to do something for me because I did it. Right? Don't turn it into a, like a mechanistic ritual. I did this, God owes me this. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. So that doesn't mean that that's just an encouragement to me not to, to think your fast has to be perfect. Like maybe you maybe you're just like, oh I can't do it. I just have to have like a spoonful of peanut butter or something to get through. It's all about the heart of why you're fasting. It's not like, oh, God's gonna deduct that from your reward. Right? Don't, don't make it a ritual. Don't make it into some, like, mechanistic thing. Third, don't do it in a way that's grumpy or sullen. Right? That was the other thing Jesus was saying in Matthew 6. They go, oh, yeah, I'm fasting. You know, I'm so tired. You know, that's what he said not to do. I, I read this one article. I liked what this, I don't know, even know who she is. Her name was Kay Wilson. But she said, there's an inclination when you're fasting to say, poor me. But instead... I say, Lord, you are my portion. I love that. that. Isn't that what we're inclined to do? Like, we're, oh, these people are eating good. Oh, I wish I could have some of that. Looks good. Oh, no, I can't. You know, that's, don't do it in a grumpy, solemn way. Jesus said, you know, put oil on your head. And that's another interesting thing where I think we're in, where we're in this time. I talked about we're in this time between Jesus coming and his coming again. The fasting is not, it's, it's both an expression of mourning and of joy, right? Like our fasting should be joyful, and, and that feels kind of weird because we're fasting. Uh, something's not right, but he came, and I experienced him, and I love him, and I know he's going to make things right. So there's this mingling of joy and mourning in our fasting. Don't fast to, to earn a relationship with God. Don't fast to earn a relationship with God. You think God's not really pleased with me, but if I fast... Maybe he'll start to be pleased with me. If that's what you're thinking, don't, don't do it that way. Under, that, that's why he came. He came 
so that you could be assured that he is completely pleased with you because of the cross. Completely, 100%. He's as pleased with you. If you have received Jesus, if you put your trust in Jesus, he's as pleased with you as he is with his son. That's what the cross is about. That's why it talks about being in Christ. Because God sees us in Christ. That's why it says it over and over in the New Testament. We're beloved in Christ. He's chosen us in Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. So don't do it to earn a relationship with God. Be f- don't fast until you're fully assured that God's pleased with you. Be fully assured he's pleased with you because of Jesus. And if you're not fully assured of that, I'd love to talk with you. Doug would love to talk to you, any of the elders. If you don't know that, if you don't know that you're in a re- right relationship with God and that he's pleased with you, talk to us about it. He did everything for you. You don't have to fast to be in a right relationship with God. Fasting flows out of that. I've, I've tasted him. I want more of him. I want to see more of him. And I'm yearning for that. And I want to express that through food. A couple things before we close here. Just uh, a little bit from my own experience. What's helped me? One, I kind of mentioned, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like so much of the time we don't do things because we think it has to be perfect. And because it doesn't seem like it'll be perfect, we don't do it. Like that can be for anything, right? Like Bible reading, oh, I don't have a half hour. I have five minutes, so eh, I probably shouldn't do it. I don't have 15 minutes to go to a room to pray. I have a minute. Do it anyway, right? It's, it's better than not, not doing it. And so much of the time, we don't do anything because we want it to be perfect. Same thing with fasting. Uh, I'm kind of busy that day. I don't know if I'll have a lot of time to, to get alone with the Lord. It's okay. Like, yeah, it's good to fast when you, when you have that time to, to get away with the Lord. I, that's, if you can make your schedule work that way, excellent. But don't not do it just because everything's not working out perfectly. Like, if you're a parent, it, it usually isn't, right? Things usually aren't working out perfectly. Right, it just, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's all about the heart. And like I said, if you, if you mess up halfway through and you, you have a big meal, okay, start over. Try again. It's okay. I, I mean, I've, I've done it where I've, I'm like, oh, I'm not really sure God was calling me to this. And I said, go have a big meal. Like, I've done that before. Like, yeah, I blew it. Okay, let's try it again. Okay, or, or pick it back up where you left off. Like I said, it's not like, okay, God, that was only like 22 hours. That doesn't, that's not really a fast. God's not like that. Okay. So it, it's all about the heart. Use the little reminders. Use the little reminders. Fasting gives us little reminders. I'm hungry. Use those little reminders to turn them into little prayers. Like I said, you might not always be able to get away for 20 minutes, a half hour. Hopefully you can, but you might not. So just take those little reminders. Oh, I feel that hunger pain. Oh, God, turn this into spiritual hunger. And go on with your day. Use the little reminders. Have a vision. Have a vision for fasting. This helps me so much. When, when When there were seasons in my life where I just kind of got into like that once a week, fasting routine, and sometimes I didn't really have a vision, I was just kind of doing it, and it didn't feel that fruitful. Um, but have a vision, and, and we're going to kind of help try to shepherd that as a church, that we want to have uh, a vision kind of for each week through January, so we're going to kind of help that, but just in general, in, in your life of fasting, try to have a vision for your fasting, and then find something to read according to that vision. Uh, maybe you're fasting for the unborn, find a great book about protecting the unborn to read. Or maybe you're fasting for global evangelization, 
evangelization. Find, you know, find something, you know, whether it's part of the Bible or some great book based on the Bible. Uh, maybe you're just fasting to encounter God more. You know, find, find you know, either a portion on who God is or, or a book like Knowledge of the Holy. You know, something like, just something to stir your vision, to, to fuel your prayers as you fast. Uh, do justice was another thing. One time I was, I was kind of in a habit of fasting and I, I was kind of feeling dull. And I was just reading Isaiah 58 and he, where he's talking about justice. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to, to loose the, the bonds of the yoke, to, to give your, your bread to the, to the hungry poor? And I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start taking the meal that I'm fasting and bring it to, to a homeless person. Um, so just find a way to, to incorporate justice into your fast. Another thing that's really helped me is just learning that, that your body is okay <laughs> while you're fasting. Uh, and and I, I understand there are some people, maybe like you're a diabetic or something. Like there are some exceptions. I get that. Maybe you need to consult a doctor before fasting. For, for most of us, though, our body's okay. And that just made a big deal to me. Like I was like, oh, I'm probably just going to be tired all day. And so I kind of go through the day like that. And then when I kind of started learning a little more about how our body works, I'm like, actually, I'm, I'm American. I have a little reserve. Uh, I, I, my body can actually give me energy for quite a while. <laughs> and I started, it just helped that I, I didn't kind of have to go around. Like, it's like if I had the mindset that I was going to be tired all day, I was. So your body, there's, there's good stuff to read about what happens with your body with fasting. It's, from my understanding, it's mostly really healthy. Uh, and finally, believe Jesus about rewards. He said, he said in your fasting, if you fast in secret, your Father in heaven will see and reward you. Like, it's good to think there's rewards and to believe in those rewards. He wouldn't have given us a bad motivation to fast. So believe Jesus about rewards. So when you fast, like I said, not in a mechanistic way, I did this, God owes me this, but I'm placing my heart this way before God, and I'm expecting that he's going he's gonna to work. And when you're fasting, you're expressing a desire for God. You're expressing a desire to know him, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done. And so expect rewards like that. I'm expecting that God's going to show up and I'm going to know him more. I'm gonna ex expecting that God's going to bring his kingdom about. I'm expecting that God's going to help me do his will. Those are the type of rewards I think Jesus wants us to expect when we fast. So in closing, I'm going to go ahead and invite the, the worship team up. Uh, but Doug kind of mentioned this. We're going to be looking to fast as a congregation in, in January Looking for once a week, if you can do the time Doug talked about, great. Again, maybe that doesn't work for everyone, but hopefully you can join once a week. Maybe, again, maybe, you know, whatever you can do, don't, if it's not perfect, maybe you can fast a lunch a week. If, if that's you, I still think it's better than not doing anything. Uh, once a week, uh, as a church, we're going to, like I said, try to give you kind of some vision for each week. I'm going to hopefully try to do that through my weekly prayer updates and and kind of updates on Sunday mornings as well with Doug. Uh, we're looking, our kind of overall theme is fasting for spiritual renewal as a church. We're looking for spiritual renewal. We want to start the new year refreshed, renewed by God's spirit to do his work in this coming year. Spiritual renewal in the church. And we're going to end it at the end of January with an encounter service where we come together, celebrate the Lord on a Sunday night, I think probably January 31st. But let's, by God's grace, come together, come together in this month and say, this much we want you, your kingdom and your will. And we want to express this 
through foregoing food for a time. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you. We thank you that you came. We want to be just completely blown away by the fact that you came as a baby, that you came as a human, that you took on flesh. Just come blow us away again by that and show us in how to respond in this time in between your first coming and your second coming so that we express our longing and experience that longing for you, that we miss you. We have hearts that truly miss you and your kingdom, and we long for that and we work for that to come. I'm asking that you would do that in us and that you would use fasting as a tool to do that in us, Lord. Also, just as the worship team plays, uh, you can get prayer on the sides if there's anything you want prayer about.